Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, before starting today, I would like to mention that if you have any questions, ideas, or requests for upcoming podcasts, by all means, please send us your suggestions at selfcoachinghelp, it's one word, selfcoachinghelp at aol.com. And now, today's podcast. And once again, we wait patiently for Lauren to return. So uh, it, it may be a prolonged battle for her to get back here to the, to the self-coaching studios, but we shall persist and do the best we can and provide the best psychological coaching information we can as in, not a we, but as I can. So let's begin. And today's podcast, are you a worrywart? Or are you just a pragmatist? Well, in order to answer this, we have to appreciate the thin, the very thin line between anticipating future events and worrying about future events. So what's the difference? Well, the essential difference, anticipating versus worrying, has to do with the infusion of insecurity. And there we come again. I mean, every week you hear me mentioning insecurity. Well, insecurity is the hub from which a lot of vulnerability, a lot of fears and self-doubt have come from. And usually these are laid down in our developmental years. So they do have a very primitive quality to them, them, the insecurity-driven thoughts. And like everything that I mentioned in self-coaching, I see everything as, as on a continuum. And I don't think it's fair to think that there are people walking around, I'm sure there are one or two on this planet, who are without insecurity. I just think it's the way the world is that we accumulate these feelings of insecurity just based on our vulnerabilities. And as we grow, we tend to try to mask or hide those vulnerabilities. We try to compensate for them. And sometimes we try to sidestep from them. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that we anticipate upcoming life demands all the time. And most of our anticipations are what, what I would say are emotionally neutral. You know, we have appointment books, we pay bills on time, we get our flu shots, and we leave early for work when the forecast is for nasty weather. So anticipation is, let's call it relatively neutral. Now, worrying... Now, this is a different story. Worrying drifts from the neutral facts of our lives into a darker realm of what I might call insecurity-driven fictions. And these are most often accompanied with the hand-wringing what-ifs. Don't tell me you don't know what the what-ifs are. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if my proposal is rejected? What if I can't? pay my mortgage, the old what-ifs. So worry is a form of anticipating, 
but it's anticipating that things are going to go wrong. We don't worry about things going right. And that's a really important point. All the, you know, you don't, you don't worry about winning the lottery. Oh gosh, I hope I don't win that lottery. I don't, oh, what am I going to do with all that money? We worry about things going wrong. What if I don't have money? What will I do? You know, so worrying is the anticipation of, if you will, chaos. It is a form of anticipation, but it's that negative form of things going awry. Where anticipation, it's more neutral, and it's certainly less contaminated by insecurity. Anticipating, for example, a difficult meeting with the boss. All right, this may cause us to feel a bit insecure, you know, maybe uneasy, tense, as we you know, kind of mentally prepare ourselves for what might be a real challenge. But what's critical is the extent of insecurity that's generated. Okay, I mean, I know this can seem a bit confusing, especially since insecurity itself can sometimes be somewhat reasonable and proportionate uh, to, actual, to an actual threat. While other times insecurity could be anything but reasonable and proportionate. So let me give you an example. And this will help clarify this, what I feel is a very, very important point. So let's say, for example, your doctor tells you that you have high blood pressure. So anticipating the implications of hypertension, you might decide, well, you know, I'm going to start that diet. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about it for the last six months, but, but I'm going to start and you know, I'm going to get to the gym. I'm going to, I'm going to start cutting back on my salt. And maybe I'll even learn to, to meditate. Okay, these would be both prudent and proportional reactions geared to reclaiming your health. Now, of course, you might also go home and Google high blood pressure, which we do these days, only to be assaulted with every possible dire consequence of hypertension, leaving you with a worry thought about having a stroke. It's one thing I've always felt about Google and, and, and reviews and things of that nature online. We tend to get a, a disproportionate degree of negativity. And, and people who write these things write because primarily, I guess, they're disgruntled. So be careful when you start becoming your, trying to get your MD degree, your, your Google M, MD degree, and figure out all the things that are wrong with your life. Because most of the things you find online you know, are written by people who have had problems. So, so let's say you, the doctor told you you're going to have high, you may have, that you do have high blood pressure. Well, it, it would be totally within the normal range to, you know, want to go to the gym, lose some weight, and maybe Google some facts. Yeah, that's, that's okay. There's nothing unusual about that. You might be somewhat anxious and concerned. And, and this would also be an example of what one might call a reasonable degree of insecurity. You know, that's kind of feeling vulnerable and threatened. So when you get a diagnosis of, say, hypertension, it's reasonable to have some insecure feelings, some feelings of vulnerability or, or even feeling threatened. So when describing a normal range of reacting, 
it's important to keep in mind the qualifiers, prudent and proportional. Prudent and proportional. But when insecurity dominates the picture, then what was proportionate, you see, becomes exaggerated, uncontrollable, and sometimes ruminative, on and on and on, as visions of life cut short by a heart attack begin to swirl unchecked in your mind. As you begin to feel your neck muscles tightening, your heart beating faster, and your headache pounding. That's what insecurity does to the facts. Now, of course, it's not a neutral fact to hear that you have hypertension, but insecurity knocks it out of the ballpark. You know, it just takes it and runs with it. But let's be clear, even the prudent person, right, finding out they have a medical challenge is probably going to feel a good deal of stress and that reasonable amount of fear. And this is a good thing. I mean, consistent with our instinctual mandate, which says, don't get killed, you know, we, we react kind of strongly to anything that makes us, in reality, more vulnerable. So you can still be a prudent person and have these concerns, but when worry, stress, or fear are connected to a specific threatening stimulus, and our reaction is proportionate to that stimulus, then we could say that our worry anxiety is normal, that it's instinctive, and that it's a protective reaction. But, and you know there's a but, but when insecurity takes the helm and begins to generate hysterical prognostications of I'm going to die, and flooding our bodies with stress chemicals, adrenaline, norepinephrine, cortisol, then what might have been a proportionate reaction becomes neurotic. So it's always helpful to take a step back, to take a step back from any life challenge or crisis and ask two important questions. Is what I'm feeling rational and reasonable? And is what I'm feeling proportionate or disproportionate to the circumstances? Those two questions are very important. Is what I'm feeling rational and reasonable? Or is what I'm feeling proportionate or disproportionate to the circumstance? You see, once, once you abandon rational thinking and begin to slide down that slippery slope of hysterical thinking, your emotions will begin to add insult to injury as you begin to progress from anticipation to worry and to anxiety and panic. And in order to stop such a progression, it's really important to use critical awareness to insist that your thinking doesn't become hijacked by insecurity-driven emotion. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a thin line between anticipatory prevention and worry thinking. And the line is even thinner when it comes to the progression of worry into anxiety. You know, I've often felt that you know, the, the worrying isn't totally uh, neurotic, and nor should you get carried away with thinking, I've got to stop worrying in my life. Yeah, well, yes, especially the neurotic kind of worrying where we have the disproportionate reaction to facts. Uh, that would be the hypertension guy feeling, I'm going to have a heart attack. 
and then start to worry about that. That's the, the emotional fiction that's generated by that fear. And it's disproportionate because no one knows the future. And you're not going to have a heart attack, or at least we don't know you are, or you can't know that in any given moment, especially if you're, if you start to take care of yourself, take some medication, do some exercise. But that goes for just about anything in life that, you know, there are ways to circumvent life's, you know, challenges. And if you do nothing, well, then maybe there's a, 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 a probability that bad things can happen. But it's the worrying part, the, the mental part that we're talking about today. And worrying creates stress, and stress is unhealthy for the body, not only the mind. So how do we abandon worrying? Well, one way is to realize that you really do have some sway over your thoughts. And it, it takes a little what we might call critical awareness. When you catch yourself worrying indiscriminately or, or just you know, being carried away by worry. You know, it's almost like worrying has a mind of its own and it's not necessarily our mind, but there's a, a part of us that worries. That's that, that kind of regressive. And maybe it was laid down in childhood because worry often has a childlike quality to it. And when you find yourself in that mode where it doesn't sound like your healthy, mature mind that's doing the thinking, and it sounds like it's coming from a place of childlike fear and chaos, can I say, or can I at least try to say that the child reflex within me, I call it the child reflex, because it has that primitive quality. These, these reflexes were laid down during your developmental years. So yeah, it does feel like the hysterical child. Oh my God, what's going to happen? And when you hear that childlike quality, you've got to realize that's not me in the here and now. You see, that's the historical, vulnerable, insecure child that's speaking through you. Just realizing that it's not you and it's this child reflex puts you in the driver's seat. You know, it really does. It's, you, you have a choice then. You have a choice to fight to be actively involved in not handing yourself over to these thoughts. You know, the thought may pop into your mind, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. Okay, so that, that was somewhat of a spontaneous eruption. But you don't have to add a second thought to that, and a third, and a fourth. So you don't have to just sit back and allow insecurity to feed your panic. And that's what worrying does. You know, worry begets worry. The more you worry, the more you worry. So you have to break the cycle. And, you know, like I said, when that thought percolates into your mind, it's, you know, you, you can't always catch that thought. And maybe even the thought that follows. But you certainly can catch the ongoing progression of these thoughts. So put a stop to that kind of needless passivity where you allow insecurity to just start dropping these bombs of of mental, you know, chaos into your mind, and and start to recognize that you can you can really dig your heels in and say, well, what what are the facts, the here and now facts in the present that I can deal with? What are the fictions? And the fictions are anything that has to do with the future. You can be concerned that you have hypertension. We're using that as our our model today. You could be concerned that you have hypertension, but that's not worrying about hypertension. That's taking responsibility. 
So being concerned is, okay, these are the facts. Concern deals with facts. You see, worry deals with emotional fictions, things that are going to go awry in the future. So stay with the facts and realize that that reflexive childlike quality to worrying, that's something that you really do have a choice, but you've got to come to realize that. If you are a bit too passive, it owns you. And what you have to recognize is that your, your consciousness is really the dominant force in your mental life. So with your consciousness, you can insist, no, I'm not going there. You turn away from those thoughts. Thought pops into your head, nope, not following that. And you turn away and you turn away and you start to develop some muscle, some self-discipline, some inner self-discipline. Nope, not going there. And you can begin to become less susceptible to reflexive worrying. Now, all that being said, there are times where worry can be important to our own survival. Uh, if a Cat 5 hurricane is about to slam into your house and you worry about the weak shingles you have on your roof blowing off, these are facts. The shingles are facts. Uh, whether they blow off or not is, not is not a fact. But worrying about that might get you to do something about it. And you might get up there with some nails and whatever tar and do whatever you need to do. So sometimes worry can be proportionate to the circumstance. But when insecurity starts to infuse itself with, with worry thoughts, even healthy worry, and, and I know it sounds contradictory when I say healthy worry thoughts, when I've just been talking about worry being this neurotic anticipatory thing of chaos. But sometimes, and, and you know, I always look back to our instinctual evolutionary past and you know to worry about uh, a hostile neighboring tribe when you know that they they might be uh, approaching uh, it, it does it does initiate some action on our part to do something so in that guise some worry is okay but be really careful you know don't don't excuse yourself and say you know worrying that that uh, root canal is going to be so terrible you know that's that's really not what we're talking about right now we're talking about proportionate and rational worrying it's confined it's it's not only proportionate but it's confined to the circumstance that we're dealing with it does and it doesn't really get into ruminations you know it, it just initiates a state of concern and a state of action so Let's, but let's not get lost in the concept that some worrying is okay. It's for our discussion today. Let's let's just assume we're talking about neurotic worrying. That's the disproportionate, ruminative, ongoing, child-infused reflex of the chaos that may or may not happen. Come back to the present where that chaos does not reside. Be concerned if it's uh, health or hurricanes or whatever it might be. It's okay to be concerned, but it's okay to be concerned about here and now facts. So you need to liberate yourself from a life of needless stress, of needless worry. And if you tend to be a worry wart, one who just worries about most things, it's time to 
initiate a more conscious, active mind approach to what goes through your mind and make some decisions. You see, the passivity of sitting back and allowing insecurity to steer things will always lead towards stress and anxiety. So remember, in order to stop any progression, you know, whether it starts as even a rational thought, a concern, but if that starts to become tinged with insecurity, then that rational thought might start to migrate towards the irrational, the disproportionate. Try to catch yourself before you get to that point. And remember, you, you really do have the capacity to turn away from thoughts. Uh, it's not my healthy thought. It's not me. It's my insecurity that's driving this. You know, that helps. That really helps. When, when you realize I'm not steering my own thoughts right now, that's, that's insecurity. You know, that's where your battle is. It's you against your insecurity. I know it sounds weird to think that there's two parts of you that can do the thinking, but it's the case because these insecurity-driven thoughts, the worrisome thoughts, they, they really do come from a place of vulnerability and fear and anxiety. They, they really are trying to add some degree of invulnerability, but because they are driven by insecurity, it, it really isn't protecting us at all. In fact, it's hurting us, and it's hurting your life. And if it's a backdrop to your life, then there's this, you know, there's this constant torment that keeps you off balance, makes you susceptible to ongoing anxiety, depression, panic, moods, etc. Take your life back. Begin to insist on more proportionate here and now concerns about your life circumstances that may be challenging. And recognize that you have a lot more power and potency than you realize. Insecurity makes you feel like a victim, makes you feel powerless. And you do feel powerless when you're caught up in this ruminative worry cycle. You, oh my God, what can I do? And I can't, you know, so you, you kind of regress into a powerlessness that is just not necessary. So I guess that's, that's where I am at tonight. And that's stop being a worrywart. And if you want, it's okay to be a pragmatist. It's okay to just even once in a while to worry about things that are truly challenging and to not exaggerate those things by infusing insecurity into the picture. And that's about it for today. And I just want to mention that we are having a problem with distribution of my Unlearning Anxiety and Depression book. And... I'm not sure if that's getting resolved at this moment, but I shall keep you posted. The Kindle version is available, so it's unfortunate, but these things do happen. And visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you could learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And there are lots of things there that you might take a look at, from articles to videos to God knows what. <laughs> take a look. So until next time, you know, just remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, it's not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join me every week, and hopefully Lauren will come along one of these days. And let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself. 